Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Okay, you guys, I am super jazzed about today. So today's episode, we have a conversation with a marriage and family therapist, Amy Sargent. So let me just talk on a personal note for a moment. Amy has been a dear friend for almost 20 years. Her and her husband, they live in the Bay Area. They have got three awesome kids. Our kids are all around the same age. We went on a mission trip. Um, Actually, we went to Ethiopia. And when we lived in the Bay Area, we were a part of the same small group. So uh, we've done life with this family. We've done life with these people. And I adore them. I have so much respect. I have so much respect and love in my heart because I've seen their life in action. And I just, they're amazing. And so I'm really jazzed for you to hear Amy's heart. Amy and I talk about uh, inner healing. We talk about grief. Amy gives us a ton of great information, a therapist perspective and, you know, kind of the, a few things that we can do to help if we're in a struggling season. Um, and she just talks, she has a great perspective and a handle on grief and process and life and struggle struggles and inner healing and, and all of that sort of stuff. And so you guys, I'm really excited about the conversation. I do want to just say, this is one of those episodes that I would suggest if you have kids Uh, you know, maybe pause the episode and don't play it out loud or put it in your AirPods or, you know, go on a drive. If you're driving to or from work, that's great. But maybe just listen to it before you, you know, had children in in your presence because we do talk about some real and raw things. And Amy is real and raw and she's rad. She's amazing. So she's the three R's, real, raw, and rad, which that's the prerequisite to be on the the podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, actually, all of our guests will be real, raw, and rad. That's my rule. Okay. And anyway, look at that. I, I didn't even know I was obsessed with ours. My rules are real, raw, and rad. So um, can you tell us I grew up in the 80s with that word rad? My kids make fun of me. But they make fun of me about everything. So whatever. I'm going to use the word rad. So let me tell you a little bit more about Amy, just her professional life. So like I said, Amy's a therapist, but she also works at a church. So she's she does a, a couple of different things and is an amazing mom. So she's a good juggler of life. A uh, little bit more about Amy's professional background. She has her master's in theology from Fuller Seminary and her master's of counseling and psychology from Santa Clara University. Her private practice is in Redwood City, and she's provided psychotherapy for almost 15 years. She's been a supervisor to associate marriage and family therapists as well the last few years. In her church role, her title is Director of Care, and she oversees a few care pastors and programs at Cornerstone Fellowship Church in the Bay Area. She oversees premarital mentoring, lay counseling, support groups, prayer teams, prison ministry, visitation ministry, and celebration of life services. Amy's resume is amazing, but let me just tell you, her heart, her experience is is more amazing. She has, through blood, sweat, and tears, you guys, she, none of this stuff was handed to her on a silver platter. Um, she's been through a lot in her life, and I respect her because she has done the work. She has struggled through and really found some deep, amazing inner healing and has allowed the Lord to then use it and bless humanity. I love uh, hearing Amy talk because I've seen the fruit of her life impacting people. And so Amy's got a lot to give and I'm so stoked that she said yes to come on the podcast. So you guys buckle up, grab a piece of paper. This might be one for notes. This might also be one that would be good to go on a walk because it could be triggering. I don't know. So I just wanted to prepare you too. 
We are talking about inner healing. We are talking about things that could be a little bit triggering here and there for some of us. So, but I just, I know that some of us are really struggling and I know some of us are on that journey of inner healing. And I know some of us just really are looking for some hope in some hopeless situations in our lives. And I think Amy does a great job of just walking with us and laying it out there. And so you guys, I'm stoked. Thanks for being here. There will be some books she mentions. I'll put them in the show notes as well. And I'll put some other information uh, in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, let's dig in. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times, especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. Actually, every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. All right, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I know. It's so awesome to like see you. It's amazing. (laughs) I was thinking last night laying in bed. We've known each other for 17 years. Wow, 17. Okay. I was wondering, I knew it was at least more, you know, almost two decades. Right? Isn't it, maybe it was longer, but I think it was 17 because that's that is when we went to Ethiopia, right? With Menlo. I think you're right. Right? Right before we got pregnant with Kenzie, Gary and I. Yes. Crazy yes. time. That is crazy. It is. <laughs> I think about life has happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was going to share this in the intro, but I felt like I wanted to share it with you. So as I was laying in bed last night, I was thinking about, and I've shared this story with you before, but I just want my, our listeners to know too, you're the real deal. Like even though you're a marriage and family therapist and you've got all these tools and tactics and experience and wisdom and all that stuff, you live it out. I've shared this with you before, but when I, you guys, I have not shared this with my audience. So when I first got sober, Amy and her husband and kids came down to visit literally a week later, like it was already planned and they were coming down to visit us. And I remember that evening they got there, we put the kids to bed and we sat down and we shared with you guys and you guys were just so gracious and amazing. And, you know, and I'm in like the midst, I'm like four days sober. I think I literally, I think it was like, Hey guys, I'm trying. And that morning you woke up and it happened to be Zach's birthday and you made his birthday cake because I, and prior to all of this, I would have made like a superstar birthday cake and, you know, done it to made myself crazy. Now I just order them from Costco and Vons and who cares. But, you know, up until that point, I was still like, you know, holding on to the illusion that I could be this super mom and I couldn't, and my life had fallen apart. My emotions had fallen apart, but I just think about that time and what you will always be such a sweet part of my life just because you literally rescued that birthday cake moment for me that my kid, he was two, he would never even know if I, but you just made this cute cake. And so I just think about that. It's a really sweet memory for me and for Gary. So, yeah, well, I love being part of that sweet memory. And I think one of the reasons that compelled me to do that cake, because you are right, Zach would have never, ever known, right? Two years old, he would have never remembered, but you would have. And that was the part that was so important to me was to make sure that you didn't have that shame that you didn't carry that with you of not being able to have that birthday cake for him. And so 
I did that more, not for Zach. I mean, of course I wanted him to have a happy birthday, but it was more for you to not have to wrestle with yet one more thing that you would heap on yourself. And I knew you would. Oh man, I love that. That's beautiful. I thank you. I still, I mean, it was so many years ago, but it's still, it's just, man, that's a true friend. So thank you for being a true friend to me. And obviously you're not my therapist, but we've joked and you've given me plenty of therapy advice over the years and you've teased me a lot probably way more than my therapist would (laughs) poking. So anyways, um, I already told you guys all about Amy's credentials and just how amazing she is in the intro, but I just, I'm so glad you're here, Amy. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us. So let's dive in. Great. Let's do it. Okay. Well, Amy, where do you want to go today? I mean, we can talk about mental health. We can talk about, you know, just even the friendship thing. We always have great conversations. So I just love hearing you talk. So literally you could just talk for 20 minutes and I'll just the the one thing that I think is really funny, Danny, is that we stay at the surface for about two seconds (laughs) and then we go deeper really fast, which is one of the things that I love about having conversations with you too. Um, I'm happy to talk about anything. I love talking about theology. I love talking about psychology. I love talking about how those two merge. I know that one of the things that you'd mentioned was that some of your listeners have felt like they've been struggling lately. Totally. And that is totally true across the board. I like, I look at, I think it's rare for somebody to feel like they're thriving um, right now after two years of a pandemic and like all the life stressors and changes and all the different things that have come with that. But I also know that there's just personal struggles and the issues that just heap on top of that. So if you want to go there, I'm happy to go there too. Oh, I love it. I mean, I love your blend because of your biblically based model, like you're, you know, you're a pastor now at a church doing care ministry, or I don't know if your label, your title is pastor, but I know you're doing care ministry and as well as having your own practice. So let's talk about, let's talk about it. I mean, let's even talk about, let's put the pandemic aside when people are struggling and maybe they're doing their inner healing work for the first time. Maybe they're still just trying to show up. Maybe they've woken up to the reality of like, man, some of these things may never change. Some of the circumstances I'm in may never change. How do I adapt? How do I live? How do I find peace, joy, love? Like all of that, you have just such experience and wisdom to pour into that. So, and a lot of, a lot of people are struggling right now for whatever reason. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is to get to that place of what you're talking about acceptance, right? When we think about change, when we think about all the different uh, stressors in life, almost all of them have some amount of change to it, right? Well, even if it's your health, right? My health has now changed. I can no longer uh, expect my body to be uh, healthy and whole, right? Or I lost a job. I lost a what I thought to be true of my existence, being able to, you know, live relatively healthy and free and being able to make all the choices that I get to make and having that volition and freedom of our own. And just the fact that people have the relationship struggles and depression, anxiety, you know, those are, have gone through the roof as far as the numbers and percentages of people that have been struggling with those. So there's just a ton of different things that people are struggling with. And if you think about the fact that all of these things have some amount of change to it, then that means that it whittles down our resilience, right? Because change means that we grieve, even if it's change for good, even if we get a new job or move to a great place or have a kid, (laughs) right? There's still some grief that comes with that. And the grief means that I have to let go of those things, right? I get married. I let go of some of my personal freedom. I have a kid. I let go of all of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you you get a, a different job. You have to let go of the coworkers or the different ambitions that you had before. Like, so even if it's a positive change, there's still grief. 
We have had so much change and we continually have to confront change that people who have greater resilience deal better with, with grief and change and that loss um, than people who have lower amounts. So I think one of the things is just to work on uh, building our level of resist resilience. I almost said, I, gosh, I know resistance. Well, I have worked <laughs> many years on building my level of resistance. So don't worry. I know, but that yeah. makes it harder. That makes it even harder. <laughs> well, you, you hit on something, honestly, and I don't think I've, I've thought much about this, but even good change ushers in a moment of grief. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. Can you tell us briefly, just to remind us all, what are the five stages of grief? Well, I can. However, um, I don't like to refer them as stages because uh, it's got, you know, it's a hodgepodge of all the different emotions that you will feel. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is the person who developed this model called the five stages of grief. Now, one of the things that she wrote about was about basically people who were dying. And, and so what she specifically was referring to as stages is the ability to accept your death, right? Now, people go through grief without dying. Right. I mean, we're, we're all dying. Right? Like we were born to die, essentially. But um, but, you know, in certain things like losing a loved one or losing a pet or losing a job, like there's still grief. And we will go through the things that she labels. Now, the things she labeled was denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. So we will absolutely go through those things, but we will go through them all in a mixed ball of yarn, not one linear pattern. I love that. Actually, that's brilliant because, you know, you kind of go through the stages of grief and you're like, okay, I hit acceptance. Fantastic. I'm ready for it to move on where it's mm -hmm. like, no, you still need to move on during bargaining because you're going to hit acceptance and you're going to go back to anger. You're going to go back to denial. You're going to, it's like that interwoven into our lives, the fabric of our lives forever when we have loss or grief or that sort of thing. So learning to grieve is a huge, huge component mm -hmm. and even being able to label it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, even knowing what you're experiencing, I think that that's one of the things, and that's a great thing to bring about the emotional maturity, right. Is knowing what you're experiencing and then choosing what to do with that emotion. Right. That is essentially emotional intelligence right there. Dang it. Choosing what to do with my emotions. So you mean my emotions, Amy, don't just run me. <laughs> they should not. They no. should not. Amy said that to me like a decade ago. And I literally, so if you have little ones, I've already kind of told you we're talking about mental health, but I literally like flipped her off <laughs> and she's one of my dearest, most godly friends. So anyways, it's hilarious. I love it, Amy. So we're talking about grief. We're talking about, I mean, I joked about the resistance, but the resist resilience. Okay, Amy, we're struggling. We're going through it. Obviously just living and, and one another day builds our resilience. Yep. Or our resistance. <laughs> True. <laughs> How do we build our resilience? How do we become more resilient? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, schools are trying to really focus on this a lot right now is to focus on growth mindset, right? So that you can make a mistake. You can mess up a hundred times. And each of those hundred times you've learned to do it 
a different way than that, <laughs> right? Because you messed up on all those times. Um, and so really growth mindset is one of those wonderful tools that you got to just tell yourself, okay, now I've learned to not do it this way so I can try another way. <laughs> um, so growth mindset's one. Um, being able to do things like self-care, right? Like, and I always say self-care with this, uh, a little bit of hesitation nowadays because I also feel like first the words are used way too much. And I think it also heaps on all these shoulds onto people. Like I should be working out. I should be, you know, eating better. I should be getting more sleep. Like all these different things that people should do. And I always tell people, stop shooting all over yourself, right? I love that. It's, it's one of those things where I don't like to have yet more stuff for people to have to do and to kind of heap on themselves. That's going to make them feel worse and not better. And so I, I hesitate when I say self-care, but certainly taking care of yourself is one of the ways. Um, I think having good, healthy, strong friendships and a strong community. Uh, and one of the things that has really proven to be psychologically sound is having, uh, having faith and like, whether that be praying or like having a belief that somebody, God or whoever outside of yourself ends up caring for you in a, a way that you can feel like they've got you, right? If, if bad things happen, then you still are loved and still cared for. Like that alone also develops um, resilience and, and that feeling of uh, cared for and being loved unconditionally. Gosh, I love that. And it, I think as you were talking, I was thinking about and taking it one step further, like these things that happen to us, right. They don't define us. I think we are in such a culture of like, what do you do? You know, what do you do? Like, what are you defined by? Right. Mm -hmm. And not allowing circumstances, emotions, or even where we are in this moment to define us for the rest of our lives or for the season, even. Absolutely. Um, I read the book. Um, I know this might not seem related, but I read this book called what happened to you and Oprah Winfrey and um, Bruce, Bruce Perry, I think something like that. Anyway, they um, wrote this book that was called What Happened to You. And I liked that book because in many ways, what it does is draw attention to the fact that something's happened to all of us, right? Like we've all gone through stuff. Now, some people might have a more charmed life than others, right? And some of us grew up in dysfunctional homes. Some of us grew up totally messed up and needed to spend years on a therapist's couch. I'm raising my hand right there. But, um, but I think, you know, one of the things that uh, we've got to recognize is that even our lack of resiliency can be pointed to a lot of life stressors or life challenges that we have faced even before we were an adult, Right. And so one of the things that we do, and I love the, thinking about this because I go into prisons and I, and I love thinking about, you know, there's so many different things that led that prisoner to get into the place that they did. Totally. Right? And so many people who led an alcoholic to get to the place where they're either self-medicating or making those choices to turn to that. Right. Totally. There's so many choices that people have had that led to, you know, uh, making you know, the choice to have an affair or to, you know, uh, just so many different things that, that just show how broken of a person we are. Totally. Right. And that we have issues in our life that compelled us to make the choices that we did. And on some level, we did the best that we could given where we were at that mm. moment. And so that self-preservation and the you know underlying issues of the brokenness that that lead to those issues the the choices that we make that sometimes are not great often will lead us to the path of struggling right and those are some big struggles that i named but sometimes they're they're smaller you know things like you know messing up in a friendship or you know 
lying to a boss and getting in trouble. I, you know, I had that happen to me before, like whatever it was, you know, that you make these choices. And a lot of it is just, you're, you're trying to protect yourself. Totally. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, again, that's that feeling of safety and security. We are just clamoring to do that. And when we're unhealthy, we do that in unhealthy ways. Totally. I heard it said once people make really awful decisions for really good reasons. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Okay. So people with suffering and, and all of these life experiences, you know, and you hit on so many points with the, the resilience is what helps us ha- find hope, right? Yes. Or maybe hope helps us build resilience too. So if someone's right, if someone's struggling with hopelessness, which I think is a big issue right now, I think people are like, I think some people, not everybody. And I think it ebbs and flows, but hopelessness of like, man, I'm, I'm stuck. This is the rest of my life. They're almost resigned to the fact that this is it. Yeah. How do we give hope in those situations? Well, one of the things that I like to do is to think about, and I know this might sound trite, but I think about scripture, right? Like, and I think about ways that it speaks to me in those moments. And I think, you know, I love when I'm struggling, when I've been depressed, I love reading the Psalms. A lot of that is because David, that he just cries out his heart to God, right? And that he just is so honest and so real love that about him, that he can just basically be telling off God. Cause I remember in my twenties being so angry at God, standing on my bed when I was living in an apartment in San Francisco, just shaking my fist up at God and dropping F-bombs. I was so mad at him. And yet that was such a turning point in my faith and my, in my hopelessness of that despair that I was in. And that authenticity, I think helped usher it in. So I think one of the things that you got to do when you're in that despair is to recognize it's okay to be there. First of all, it's okay to feel like life is hard. Life is awful. Maybe God dealt you a crappy hand or whatever it is, you know, it's okay to feel that way and be honest about it and let yourself grieve that loss. And then you can start working towards accepting it, but and this is again, where I go back to David, like he, he always is trying to convince himself, you know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Like you, I'll wake up and it will be good. Like whatever he's saying to God, he's trying to convince himself of, or the other thing that he does that I like to as a model is that he goes back and remembers all the things that God has done for him or his people. Right. And just remembering that, that he was pulled through the hardships that he was pulled through the, the different struggles in, in the past as well. And I think that that can be super helpful as well. Just remembering where you've come from. My gosh, I love that. You've told me that story before about you in your twenties kind of crying out Mm -hmm. to God. And you said it, actually, I remember you kind of said it to me and like, Danny, it's okay. God has thick skin. I remember you told me God can handle whatever you throw at him. He can handle your anger. (laughs) Totally. And I remember you actually gave me permission. You were one of the people that gave me permission to be mad at God. Cause I'm like, "Are, are we allowed to be like, can I be real? Absolutely. Because remember, David did it and he was called the man after God's own heart. Amen. Right. And so you are a woman after God's heart when you are mad and angry and sassy towards God. (laughs) Totally. Well, and not sitting there. Right. But being honest, like in any good relationship, Mm -hmm. it's the authenticity. It's the like, I don't want fake relationships. Like if you and I ever had a struggle, I'd call you and be like, Amy, we got to work this out. Right. Absolutely. Kind of and vice versa, because it's important to have that authentic relationship. And you know, it's interesting. I was reading actually in Genesis when Jacob wrestled with God Mm -hmm. and I actually read it this morning. 
it was at Pinal, which I'm probably saying it wrong, but that is literally where it's now called the face of God. Pinal means the face of God. So as Jacob wrestled with God and was honest, right? And then God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means struggle with God. So as Jacob struggled with God, he actually encountered the face of God. I just feel like there's something there. And in your story, that was a turning point for you when you were absolutely ready to deal with your stuff, get some inner healing. And then God planted this like ministry and life calling on you through all of that, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was right around that time that I started being, I mean, I was certainly in therapy at that time, (laughs) Um, but I certainly like, I I basically started to have an authentic life from that point on and started telling my friends about the struggles and the challenges and the pain and the dysfunction and all the different things that I'd gone through in my past. And I started realizing that the things that I carried around as shame was actually not shameful. Right. Because what what that was, was it helped me be human. It helped me be uh, in touch with the pain of others and be able to empathize with other people and be able to understand that we've all got experiences in our past that are those things that happen to us that leave us into a place where we're making mistakes and that we're you know the fallen humanity that we are. And so I think from that time on, I started being actually human actually able to understand and relate to people. And then I helped other people. I remember not very long after that moment of fist shaking, I met a woman at a ministry that I was just volunteering at at the time that had gone through similar struggles of her past that I had gone through in mine. And a friend, because I had told a friend, a mutual friend uh, came up to me and said, hey, look, this girl is struggling. Can you talk to her? And so I sat down with her for over an hour and talked to her. And I was able to say, you know what, like, I know this is really crappy because I've gone through something very similar and this sucks and this is horrible. And I'm so sorry, this has happened to you. And, you know, fast forward, she found great help and healing from that. And we became good friends and we became really close um, as well as she felt like I was ushering her towards healing. And that was my first experience, my first of many now, but my first experience of being able to help someone through the mud, the thickness, I want to say a bad word, but I know I can't, <laughs> but, um, but the, the crap that we went through, I hope that's a good enough word that we can use, but the, the, the stuff we went through and because I had gone through it, I was able to help her through it and support her while she was going through her journey of healing and despair at that time. And then now acceptance later on. And so when I think back I look back at my life and, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things, abuse my child, like so many different things in my childhood. And I look back and all the, the things that cause pain and on this side, you know, 20 something years after my healing and my recovery, I guess, uh, 20 something years after that, I can look back and say, you know what? I wouldn't change having gone through any of that abuse, having gone through any of that dysfunctional family stuff. I wouldn't change any of it because of how many people's lives I've been able to impact for God, for his healing, his glory, like for, for even just me selfishly getting to know that I helped them, I wouldn't change any of it. And so I think that that is the true power of God's healing is that redemption that can come from it. Wow. Wow. You know, and I was thinking as you were talking, that's beautiful, first of all, Amy. And I, you know, you could have gone another path. I mean, you had every right to become more bitter mm-hmm. and honestly to medicate, self-medicate. You could have went a different way. I mean, it, it really was 
maybe this is where free will comes in. It's a free choice to actually press in and to go after that inner healing. And I think we're all handed the opportunity at different moments. And if you're sitting here thinking, man, I remember 10 years ago, a door opened for some inner healing. And now I've just become too bitter and that it's too callous and I'm, it's too big of a scab. I, I don't think anything's too big. I think God can continue. And I think when we show up to do the work, he's faithful and he'll build a community around us and, and all of that. But you could have gone a different path. Absolutely. And I think that the thing that compelled me down the path uh, that I did take was a couple things that I think are easy for anybody to do. So I'll just share them right now. Like, I think, you know, you don't just jump. <laughs> I didn't just jump from being on my therapist's couch to being a therapist myself, right? Like there was a ton of steps in between that. Um, and so that's the one thing that it's just a step. You just got to figure out what is that next small step that I can do. Right. And the step, and like you said, it can be a choice. Like you can take that step back to, you know, a choice that is not as healthy for you, like whether it be self-medicating, whatever, you know, or you can take a step that is a healthier choice. What is the next better choice for me? Right now I say better because I don't think there's a best, right? Like walking, it's not like walking a tightrope where there's only one path that you can walk and that's the right path. I think you can just choose and there's a ton of different options out there for you, but what is a better step that you can take to be just slightly better than you are today? right? Make a, a choice for health, make a choice for healing, make a choice for uh, happiness, make a choice for kindness, right? I think of the fruit of the spirit, any of those things, just make one small choice that'll lead you into that direction. And then after that, be able to reflect on where you've come from. And I know sometimes it's like, oh, yesterday I woke up bitter and today I'm slightly less bitter, <laughs> right? I, I kind of feel like I might've let go of some of that anger, right? but, but measuring that is a good thing. I think I woke up a little less bitter today <laughs> just because I got more sleep. If I don't have good sleep, oh, I'm a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> sleep is important. It I is. always, the first three things that I always ask anybody who comes into my office, who's anxious or depressed, I always ask them, you know, what, uh, what does your sleep look like? What are you exercising? And are you eating healthy? Because those three factors are huge in uh, anxiety and depression. Those three things alone. So. Which is so ironic because when you're struggling with anxiety mm -hmm. or depression, you sleep horrible. <laughs> exercise is a joke. And eating healthy, no, I, I, I'll just have two bowls of ice cream. I'm good. It's so ironic. That I know. It's crazy. It's I crazy. know. That's why I ask. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. You, anyways, we won't go there. I was going to laugh. You would have fired me 10 times over if I was your client. Danny, I would not have. I don't fire clients except the only time that I do is I don't, I always tell them I don't want to be an expensive friend. But, and so as long as you're working on stuff, as long as you're going forward, as long as we've got some goals, then great. Let's keep at it. But, I love it. I love it. Well, you're a cheap friend for me. So thank you. <laughs> I love it. So one of the things I wanted to say too, as you were talking, you own your stuff. So it's, you know, it's a continual process. Like, and maybe this is something we could even talk about too. And you don't have to go into detail, but you know, you alluded to childhood struggles or making, maybe making bad choices and how you'd come so far and you've gotten a ton of healing. Well, that doesn't mean that you don't ever, those things don't rear their head. It doesn't mean you don't ever deal with those. Even on a daily basis, there's some things that have formed you and whether it be nature or nurture. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but owning our stuff and not minimizing the, the 
bad things that have happened to us or the horrible things. And I think you alluded to it, but about having a therapist and having a community, you don't need to share it with the world, right? We don't need to all need to, you know, go on YouTube and share our testimonies. But the point is letting, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Do it. You know, having those people in our lives, whether it be a therapist, a good friend, whatever, where you can share those things, because Jim always told me, you know, my therapist, what you don't want to share, that's where shame hides. And that's what you need to Mm -hmm. share and get out. And so, and that's not minimizing anyone's abuse or betrayal that they've been through. And if you're sitting here listening, like I'm in the middle of it. And Mm -hmm. it's great to hear that Amy's turned into a therapist and, and found all this healing. Well, this healing is for all of us. Right. And so, but that's not like, and I know Amy's story, she walked through hell. Like, you know what I mean? She has, she has every right to be bitter. It's not minimizing whatever betrayal, whatever abuse, whatever thing has you've endured. Or even if you're like, I'm the one who betrayed people and I'm, I hate myself and all of that. Like we can all find some, at least move the needle 18 degrees. Like you can find some healing. That doesn't mean you're going to be you're going to forget and you're going to have amnesia. Like it never happened. These things we will remember. And they're, they become part of the foundation and the kind of the drive that helps us live life. Right. I mean, isn't that, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that uh, I experienced was in review. Well, first of all, even discovering that in sharing with one friend, I remember my therapist encouraged me when I was going through, I was working through so many different family of origin issues and, you know, including some uh, different kinds of abuse. And I remember, you know, at the time I had thought that it was me, like I was the one to blame for all this stuff. When you grow up in an environment that's so secretive and so like shame-based, you can't share with anyone, right? You just take it upon yourself that you are the the part that is defective and bad and shameful and that you can't share with anyone, you know, how awful you are. Right. And so that's kind of how I grew up thinking and and believing. And so I remember my therapist encouraging me once to just share, just share with one friend, pick a friend and share with that one person, just even part of your story. And I remember thinking, oh my God, if I do this, I'm just going to be rejected. And so I picked a friend that I lived with (laughs) thinking she wouldn't throw me out of the house, but I picked a friend that I lived with and, um, and she was a dear friend of mine. And I shared with her just a little bit. And I remember this feeling of shame, but yeah, I looked at her and the compassion that she had in her eyes and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, I can't believe you went through that. And I just remember, gosh, the release that that had in my heart of saying, wait, you can still look at me and find something that's lovable here. And it shocked me because I did not think that my true self, that hidden, dark, secret, shameful part of myself was lovable. Wow. And that had so much power in it. And I remember thinking, gosh, like, you know what? I don't know if another person would feel that way. <laughs> right? I just re- think that she was this anomaly. And I, and I remember sharing with another person and having a similar reaction. And then eventually I shared it in front of over 300 people at a church service. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember so many people coming up to me afterwards saying how important it was for them to hear it, that they had gone through similar things, that they had, you know, different things that they would come up and remark. And I just remember feeling like, gosh, like I now feel liberated from the shame. I don't feel that shame anymore. And now I don't think everybody has to share it in front of 300 people, (laughs) but I do think in sharing it to a trusted person 
And then you might not trust that that one person isn't just an amazing person, like an angel sent from God. So you might have to share it with two or three people, but sharing the story releases you from that shame. Oh my gosh. And I can attest. I mean, I waited way too long to share parts of my story. I think we were friends for about a decade before I even, and you were trustworthy and you were one of my dearest friends, but it was the shame I carried or the pain Mm -hmm. or the guilt, or I couldn't even go there with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. with some of the things in my life yeah. and, but being able to share it and you're right. You're hundred percent. Right. I think without fail, the times that I've shared it, I've become more free, less shame Absolutely. and only received compassion. I mean, I think that's the power of story, mm-hmm. right? When we hear people's story, like you, you go into prisons, you see, you sit down with somebody and that's not to minimize the behavior that they did. Yeah. Right. But when we're working on inner healing, it's to get to the root of what caused the behavior. Mm-hmm. The fruit on the tree may be vile and horrible. And we got to put up boundaries and not be in relationship with these people. But to find a deeper understanding and to find empathy. I mean, I think that's where it's at. Yeah. Well, I think you're right that it is about our stories. Right. And that's exactly why God gave us the Bible. Right. That is this group of stories about people's fallenness, brokenness, the ways that they don't get it right. Like I just look at it and I know people think that it's like this Bible thumping, banging, like, you know, book of all these thou shalt nots and everything. And I'm like, holy cow, that is not my experience of the Bible. My experience of the Bible is like, that person is so messed up. So I'm messed up, like, okay, I'm acceptable. Right? Oh, like, totally. And, you know, and then just kind of looking at story after story after story of how like nobody other than Jesus gets it right, you know, and that we're okay. You know, we're still lovable, but we're, he still wants a relationship with us. When we look at it from that context and knowing God's unconditional love for us, then that's kind of what we get to do for others, right? Like we had that example in Jesus as well, like, but we get to do that for other people. Like when we hear their story, we see them as more human. We see them as more of a person that we can relate to and empathize with and understand. And so we feel more connected to them. They feel more accepted by us. And I feel like if we did Christian community really, really well, there probably wouldn't be a need for therapists, right? Like we would just hear their story. We'd have that compassion. We'd have empathy. We'd love them. We'd accept them. And we'd all be healed people. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, and as you were talking, I think sharing our story helps us to build empathy for ourselves, right? So as you saw the compassion in your friend's eyes, you began to have compassion and probably empathy for yourself so that you could stand a little stronger, stand a little taller, be a little bit more confident, (laughs) step into your call, like that sort of thing. And I think that's part of being known. We were created to do this life together. And, but it's so funny because I keep thinking about people that I know listen to the podcast that are just raw, like they are just struggling. They're dealing with childhood abuse stuff or inner healing stuff. And so what would be a couple of suggestions? Obviously we talked about community, find a good therapist. If you've got some abuse stuff or some betrayal stuff that is just so deep that you can't you can't deal with it on your own, or you feel like, gosh, I'm seeking Jesus for healing, but I'm not getting the healing. Like there's, there's more healing to come for all of us. But I keep thinking about like the woman who is, or the man who is dealing with stuff for the very first time. I think you've said it, but I just want to reiterate the struggle is okay. Mm -hmm. The vulnerability is okay. The honesty with God, right. The wrestling, like Jacob wrestled with God, or like you, Amy wrestled with God that day in her bed. And I'm sure you've had many other wrestles with God. Absolutely. I think, you know, the thing that I would say to the person who's just in that raw pain uh, is even though it feels like it, you are not alone. Mm. 
I know it feels so isolating and it feels like you're the only one that's had to go through the issues that you've had to. And of course you're a unique individual and you have your own journey and your own struggles, but there are people who have gone through very similar things. And there's a lot of people, right? Like I, I know one of the things that helped me was knowing that a third of women have gone through sexual abuse. And when I was dealing with mine, you know, that was one of the things that helped me. And I know that sounds horrible because you would never wish that on someone, but I think, you know, letting you know that there are so many people who have gone through similar struggles, who have gone through the pains that you have gone through and that if you can find someone, of course, a therapist, if you want, but like if you can, or a pastoral counselor or somebody, right. But if you can find someone else, right, there's support groups for a lot of the different things that you are, might be struggling with, uh, you might be able to understand and have better understanding of the struggle, having somebody to walk alongside through that journey. And I'd encourage you to try to reach out and see if there is somebody that you could have walk alongside of you whether they're physically holding your hand or just metaphorically holding your hand through that process, I think it's helpful to know that you're not alone. And that's one thing that I love to let you know. The other thing, and this is further on, way further on, because this is not going to be helpful for those people who are struggling in the moment in that darkness. But the one thing that I will say, looking back, and you'll never know until it's hindsight, but you look back and you will see that the suffering, and I, I love Romans 5, 3 through 5, where it talks about suffering producing perseverance, because you have to endure it, you have to get through it, right? Perseverance will change your character. Your character will bring that hope, right? And I know we all want that hope, but that character, is, that character building is what brings the hope and then eventually that hope, which we're promised, will not let, let us hold on to the shame, right? So the hope is one of the things that gets rid of the shame. And then we get to have God's love, right? Like all these things produces love. And so I think one of the things that I just want to encourage you is this very struggle, this very journey that you are on is exactly the journey that you're supposed to be on. Because that is what is helping you get to become the person you want to be and will let you hold on to that hope and feel that love. My gosh, Amy, that's beautiful. You, when you said the Romans five, I almost want to cry and I almost want to argue with the Bible. Like I want hope first. Like, don't <laughs> tell me to persevere. I'm tired. I'm weary, but really just showing up is perseverance. It's not mm -hmm. like we need to go run the right, like just show up for your life. Right. That's sometimes just you know, making your kids a peanut butter and jelly or getting out of bed, that's perseverance. Yeah. Right. Or that's going to letting your friend bake that birthday cake. I know. I know getting through that day. Yeah. I love it. And then that builds character and then that births hope, which we're all after. Mm -hmm. And that's the key to hopelessness. And so it's interesting because you said you're going to turn around and you're going to see all these things. I think when we're feeling hopeless, as we show up, we take a shower, we eat a healthy lunch, the hope is being birthed. It's, it's like in process, it's in labor. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, it is exactly what is happening in that moment. Uh, the other thing is you will get to a point where it does pass, right? And I know that that sounds strange and weird. It may pass uh, like a kidney stone, but it will pass. <laughs> it's very painful and horrible. You know, you'll hate to go through that process that we've got to come to some understanding of the good and the bad will pass. 
Mm. right? So whatever we're in, in this moment, whether we're in a really happy place, this is going to pass, right? Or if we're in this really horrible, awful darkness, pit of despair, this too shall pass because our humanity will pass, right? And so this is, it might be a long time. It might be a whole lifetime. I'm not sure how long your struggle is going to be, but it will pass. Mm. Wow. And permission to be in it, permission to be human, permission Mm -hmm. to be right where you are. Wow. I love that. Amy, I seriously love you. If I could just jump through the camera right now and hug you, I totally I love would. that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love you. I cannot thank you enough. Will you come back on? I You're would incredible. love to. Okay. I would love to. You guys heard it. So we're bringing her back on. So will you pray uh, for Absolutely. our listeners? Would love to. All right. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for each person listening to this podcast and whether they're listening, uh, at home, in their car, um, with tears rolling down their face or with hope in their hearts already. Lord, I pray that you are just reaching into their hearts and letting them know how loved they are and how they are part of your story, that their story matters and that it is important not only to share with other people, for them to be able to embrace it and for them to be able to claim that they have this purpose and they have hope just by existing you've Mm -hmm. created them for a reason they're here for a reason and lord i pray that they will somehow be able to look back and realize what it is that they've gone through and why they had to go through that lord and i pray that that will bring them a sense of peace and a sense of uh just happiness and gladness to be able to be part of your plan and lord i just pray right now for all of them to just have the perseverance that they need to get through this season, uh, whether it's the good things will pass or this hard time will pass as well, Lord. So I just trust that you've got them in your hands and that you're caring for them, loving them, and that I am so thankful that they're here and listening. So thank you for this time. Bless them in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh or triggered you, Hey, that's growth. Please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.